Hey, peace and love, everybody. You are tuned into another episode of The Sugar Ray Show. I am your host, LaShawn Sugar Ray Marston. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Talisa Daughtry, who is, uh, she goes by Fly Technista. Super dope, super powerful, connected with her on LinkedIn. Um, she is a Rock, Roxbury native and innovator. Talisa Daughtry is an award-winning diversity and technology advocate, serious social entrepreneur, technologist, and multidiscipline creator. In 1998, she wrote her first lines of code and became a self-taught developer. She then went on to, com- to complete her education and training in computer science and design and successfully navigating her multi-industry career spending across two decades in technology, working at Fortune 500 startups and nonprofits. She is deeply passionate about technology and entrepreneurship and empowering women, youth, and underrepresented groups of people in these spaces. In November 2015, she founded and built Flatechnista, a mobile app which provides women and girls with, with direct access to highly curated education, employment, and entrepreneurship opportunities and technology. In 2016, she created an initiative, Steamista, in support of the White House, CS for All, which is Computer Science for All, to increase the participation, visibility, and leadership of women across STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, and entrepreneurship. In 2019, she created FemEx Ventures, a private fund, and launchpad to support the growth of female founders. She has done so much more, and she will continue to do so much more. And I'm grateful <laughs> to have this time with her. Salisa, good morning. Peace. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so, so much for having me. Of course. How are you today? I'm exhausted, actually. We're still rolling out um, pieces of the app, but um, really, really good. Really, really productive times. Really, really happy. Really, really blessed. Awesome. Let's get right to it. How did you find... First, where are you from, if you don't mind? I'm from Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, and um, I lived in New York for a a significant part of my life, and I'm recently relocated back to Boston and also have lived in the Bay Area for... A, a short stint. Awesome. Um, so tell us, how did you find yourself? At what point in your life did you say, I want to get into, into technology? This is what I want to do. How old were you? What was happening in your life? And what led you to that decision? Because that's a big commitment. Right. To commit your life <laughs> right. to, to, to technology as a, as a black woman. That's big. So how did that manifest? <laughs> Right. So, um, you know, I've I've been a classically trained uh, ballet and dancer in general and um, visual artist. So I never thought that technology would be my career path. And I actually only taught myself how to code so I could put my artwork online back in 1998. Like I had no idea that it was going to be... I had no idea that it was even a career possibility for me. I didn't know how to go about being that I didn't think oh my god I'm a technologist now it just kind of happened and I stayed with it and I loved it so much that I mean I still very much create with my hands and create art but like code had just became an extension of that and I was 15 years old when I started so it was a very different time um and the internet was different technology was different and there was there was just no resources for girls like me when I started wow powerful what when you made the decision to 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 code to put your art online um what was your reaction like when when like how did it take off what was the response of your friends how did that whole thing play out right right 
So it was really interesting because, again, 1998 was very different. It wasn't like you could just go on. I mean, Google was still very much a baby. It wasn't like you could just go on and look for stuff like, where can I learn this or how, what can I do? So, I mean, this is the process of it. Basically, I had... um. I found my way to an AOL chat room. Um, I was on Spuddy's internet. I don't even know who because I didn't own a <laughs> I didn't even own a computer and we definitely did not have um internet, of course, because it wasn't like Wi Fi. So I, I don't even remember whose house or what computer I was on, but I found my way to a chat room and I had um asked um I put in a chat room like what do I need to learn in order to like you know change the background of this website and then somebody had wrote back to me that I would need to learn this programming language called CSS which is um skating style sheets and then HTML um so um basically those were the first two things that I had taught myself and I mean I literally mean taught myself I had to go to um, a Barnes and Noble bookstore after school and remember I'm like a freshman in high school so mm-hmm. I didn't even have the money to afford <laughs> I didn't even have the money to afford to buy the books were, which were like $48 so I would sit in the aisle for hours hand copying the lines and lines of code from books like <laughs> like it's not a game at all like so I would sit there until like the bookstore was closed And then um, I would go home and then the next day I would take um, the handwritten code and then practice it on the the computer, the school's computer library. Um, I would practice it there. So my school had a, a computer library. And that's pretty much how I taught myself code. And I would do this during lunchtime, before school, and after school. And, I mean, I went to an art school. So, you know, I'm an art major. My friends are dancers. My classmates <laughs> are visual artists. And they're like, what are you doing? And I was tell- I was showing them what I was doing. But, they, you know, I didn't know what that really meant. I just was like, I built something. I made it with my hand. Look at this. My portfolio's online. And, I mean, everyone was, like, pretty much like, like, why would you do that when we need to have physical copies? Like, they didn't even understand why I was doing the things that I was doing. They didn't understand it. But um, I just kept going because I found so much, like, freedom. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is another space that I can create in. And it just became, like, a whole thing for me. So um, that was the first reaction that I had um, about it. And I guess my journey like that what made me decide, oh my goodness, I'm gonna do this, um, pretty much came from um not I didn't have that confidence to say, Oh my goodness, I'm gonna do this because I still really thought it was a hobby. I didn't mm. know anyone would pay me for it. <laughs> I didn't know that it was a real employable skill to have. I didn't I just really didn't know. I was like, Okay, so I know how to code something so like do I now work at Texas Instruments like what do I do how do I navigate this <laughs> right there was no one to tell us you know and specifically black and brown people or girls like me like at that time like what to do with these skills and I mean even with being in proximity from Harvard and MIT just over the bridge it still wasn't resources that made its way to my Roxbury neighborhood or my Dorchester neighborhood to let me know that there's opportunities in this space Wow. Powerful. So powerful. Um, talk a little bit about that dedication, that drive to your your dancer, your artist, all your friends are in the same in the same field, same realm. To separate yourself and to have the drive. You say you would spend after school hours in the library copying lines and, and, and doing the study and this research and doing this work. Where did that drive come from? Was that something that still been you from your parents? Like how did you as a fifteen, sixteen year old young girl 
have that drive and that passion and commitment to do that work, to learn uh, mm-hmm. something completely foreign day in and day out. Where does that job come from? Ray, um, I guess passion. When you have passion for anything you do, whether that be doing good things or bad things, that's what keeps you going. And that's definitely what keep, kept me going. It was passion. It was seeing that something I learned had worked and I could do more with it. It gave me the confidence to keep going because, I mean, there were days that I was coding stuff and I didn't understand it and it wasn't working or the lines of code wasn't working. But I, I just have that, like... If I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I would be doing because I'm so like, um, I'm so into like detail oriented stuff. And then also I just never, I never quit. Like I always, I always reference like my drive or determination to that of like a monster from a horror movie. Like (laughs) if I was in a horror movie, I'd be the one killing the people. Like because (laughs) I would never quit. I just never quit. Never, never, never quit. So um, I, I guess at 15, that makes it more, you know, you can do that because you really don't have that much to lose at that time. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, bravery and stupidity that mixes in and then you just go for it. So. (laughs) Amazing. 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 Later, I want to talk about that never quit. Right. But first, I want to go into what was your first job as code and how did that play out doing coding? Right. So interesting, um, Navi, I had an interesting um, career navigating from like my academic side to my professional side. So um, when I finished high school, I had already knew six programming languages, six, right? Mm-hmm. So I taught myself six, <laughs> I taught myself six programming languages in just one and a half years. And then after doing that, I still didn't have the confidence to think, oh my goodness, this, again, this is a career possibility. I had no idea what to do with the skills. I just knew that I had the skills. So when it came time for me to navigate from high school to then college and then a career career path this was something I still didn't know was an actual possibility or an opportunity I had no idea how to navigate it so um, I found myself in college enrolled in a design program rather than computer science at first because again I didn't know what I could do with the skills so I enrolled I enrolled as a designer um, and i I've done a lot of stuff around interaction design and at the time I think it was multimedia so it was a mix between you put streaming media and um, which was video and audio at the time online and um, so I had a really interesting career path because I've navigated my way into technology through design so I started off Mm -hmm. at companies either doing um, the first the first real employable job that I had in the tech space was working at an architecture firm where I was hired to do marketing and, and design. But when they found out I knew how to do web, they asked me to up, upload like blueprints to their website. Mm-hmm. So then that became, so that became the first actual like tech job that I had. And then after that, I was already I mean, this is, I'm a date myself, but um, I was already building websites for like media publications on Black Planet and MySpace. So <laughs> I was getting paid, right, I was getting paid to do that. 
Um, and I still didn't think it was, I still thought it was a hobby. I was like, well, this is giving me money because <laughs> this is not a job. This is not real. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much, those were my first few roles. And then, um, I've, I've had interesting navigating after that as well. Amazing. Um, how your, 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 your family, um, what was their take to it, to this, this, their, their daughter, their, their, their relative, their family member emerging into right. a tech space right. that is, is still fairly new at the time. Still fairly new at the time. Right. And now you're <laughs> busting in. It's because reading and listening to you, um, I'm 35, I was born in 84, so I remember 1998, right? I remember AOL, right. the engines. I remember, I remember all right. of it. And so I mean, like, I'm 36, so right, <laughs> we're at the same time. Same time. <laughs> so, as I, I mean, I can only imagine your family coming from again prior to that, it, the internet was like it was it was nothing, right? Until that time. Right. So, how did they take to you years later when you really emerged and you was now working in tech and design and being paid and was like, this is my career, this is my life? How did they take to it? What was their response? Right. Right. So, I mean, I would say. 2000 um you know this was something that i again i really enjoyed doing and in 2000 someone had gave my mom a computer and i just remember the computer didn't work but i was determined to figure out how to make this computer turn on because i had all these aol discs and i wanted to get online (laughs) i was like i gotta figure out how to make this work and i mean my mom thankfully she she supported that part Mm. that i was doing and took me to like you know computer stores to get the parts Mm. So I could build a tower or put in a new circuit board or whatever I needed to do to get that computer working. And, um, you know, it actually never came on. We, we didn't spend a lot of money getting the pieces, um, but it never came on. But it just it, it proved to like um, her and I guess even um, my he had decided to buy me a computer because I was so passionate about it and I mean this wasn't an inexpensive thing to buy like I remember it was a Black Friday and he brought me a Windows a Millennium PC from Walmart and I was so happy it wasn't the Mac that I wanted like everybody has the Mac with the clear backs and the colors <laughs> on it um <laughs> the old school Max and um I wanted that but he got me the Windows Millennium and I was just like so happy to finally have a computer of my own and I mean it was a pretty hefty price tag at the at the time you know computers were not like $200 like they are right now like mm-hmm. you know you can get a computer for like 150 um you know at this time mm-hmm. the the lowest computer you can get I believe was either 4 or 5 so um you know, those two things really encouraged me and empowered me to pursue my journey. If it wasn't for, you know, trying to put together this motherboard or a tower and then having an actual computer of my own, I wouldn't be in the space that I'm in now. And I know, like, my mom at first didn't understand what I was doing. She just thought I was up all night tying up her phone line. Because remember, this is dial-up. <laughs> it's not like you just... Right, right. So, like, she had to put rules in place that is like, look, you cannot be tying up my phone line before nine and after this time. And, you know, it became this whole thing. And I just started to become a night. I started to become a night owl because that was the only time I could get online. It was just like, and then I still had to put, like, 
parameters in place because I had to I had to get up and go to school. So remember, there's yeah. that. So, but pretty much, I I would stay up all night long coding. I would stay up all night long coding and building websites, and she just thought I was tying up her phone line and downloading music on like LimeWire or something. But I was doing so much more. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was doing a lot more. LimeWire, <laughs> right. So, I mean, I was, yeah. but, like, I was doing so much more than that. <laughs> and then, so, I think it wasn't until, like, you know, I made my first money. It was like, wow, that's the actual skill. Like, wow, you actually did something because it was, like, prior to that, it was like, okay, what are you really going to do? Like, what kind of job are you really going to have? Like, this is this is cool that you know how to do that, but what else are you going to do? Because this might not be the thing of the future and it actually is the thing of the future and it's something that I joke about now because it's like you know she couldn't see it at the time but she also didn't not not support it so I'm really grateful for that that's powerful in itself the fact that she didn't fully understand it but she still supported you that's big right that's 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 major so so staying there was there any moments that you felt like quitting that you that that you realized or you thought that you know what maybe there's no real future in this and maybe I should be doing something different and if so how did you push past that moment right I mean there's often times that I've had that I mean I know what we coined it today as maybe imposter syndrome it definitely wasn't that for me it was um you know again not knowing that was an employable skill to have not knowing who would pay me for it and then um the first obstacle that I faced in this space was definitely uh, being a woman um I wouldn't even say being a person of color because there were people of color at the time when I was entering in some of the the companies that I was at but there weren't women they were definitely not women I was often the first um female employee that a company would have in the space that I was in in the tech space yeah or doing something web related or things like that. So um, for me, I would say the quitting and the navigating became a daily thing to be very, very honest. And I mean, like how I tell my mentees when they ask me like, oh my God, why did you stay 20 years and how did you make it? And you know, we hear about all these like gender and, and gender and racial disparities across technology, which is very, very, very true. Um, what made me, what made me stay and push through was I knew that I was really good at something. Like this became so second nature to me. It felt like I was just breathing. Coding felt like breathing that natural to me. Um, and I felt like I could really make a change with the skills that I had and make stuff that really mattered and made products that really matter and make a difference in our world. Um, and I know it sounds all like cliche, but like that's literally how I felt and that's what kept me going. I was like, I don't want to leave this space. I'm really good at what I do. Um, I've, you know, it's not just the future of money or what I've seen for it. I just knew that I was good at this thing and I could really transform, make an impact, make stuff that mattered, not just make stupid websites or stupid products. I felt like I really could make stuff that made a difference in our society. Awesome. You saw you could add value. Right. Right. Amazing. Um, so flip side, what has been one of or some of your highlights? Like what has been one of your favorite moments? You know, whether it was, you know, a project you got to work on or someone you got to meet. Um, what made you realize that or at what point did you realize that, yo, I'm here? 
Every time that I feel like I've arrived, I arrive to something greater. It's nice. been really, really interesting. And um, I'm super fortunate and blessed. One, I work hard, but like two, I'm just also really fortunate to have the opportunities or make my way in alignment to the opportunities that I'm seeking and people that I want to meet. Like, you know, I've always created wish lists for my career. Mm -hmm. Always. I, there were companies that I wanted to work at, I would put it on the wish list. If there was a person I wanted to meet, I would put it on the wish list. And then basically, everything that I do, I navigate my way towards executing that wish list. And mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of, of um, when I started Fly Technista back in 2015, I had one thing on my wish list. I wanted to go to the White House before Michelle and Obama had left. Like, that was a wish list for me. Um, and then in January 2016, I said it aloud. Like, I wrote it on my wish list. But January 2016, I said, I would really like to go to the White House before President Barack and Michelle leave the office. I really would like to. And literally in June, I found out that I was nominated for an award by the White House. And I was going to meet Michelle mm. <laughs> before they had left. And um, that, that for me was the most incredible experience I have ever had in my career um, at that point. Because like I said, it kept... It, Kept progressing after that so not only did I make it to the White House before they left I've been three times before they left so mm. I've been for three different things and three different awards um, before they left um, so that was really an incredible experience for me and then um, you know a few years later I ended up at Windsor Castle um, yeah. doing a, a fellowship there and then a, a few you know just going into my career I would say the greatest highlight now that I have is not even like a money raise or things like that well, the biggest highlight for me has been the impact of the work that I have been doing um, across in the lives of women and girls like how does that translate into dollars I mean like the jobs that's been created for them or the opportunities that they have access to or the scholarships that they got because of fly technica, that's what really, that's the greatest part of like what I do right now. Amazing, profound. Was was there in in, in, in a moment from, from the moment you said out loud in January 2016, I would like to go to the White House to meet President Barack and Michelle before they leave. Then when you went in June, was there a, did you have to pinch yourself? Because how far is that from the little girl, right? Or how far was that right. from when you started at 15 years old, just working with AOL? Right. Was that a pinch of right. It was beyond that. I was actually um, getting off the F train at J Street. <laughs> and um, I was walking to... Um, to, I, where I was consulting for a company and I got the email that I had been nominated and was going and I just to the White House and I read this and I was like, wait, what? And I was like, <laughs> I stood on the side and I just remember putting my hand over my mouth under the bridge at Dumbo. Um, yeah. And I just was like, Oh my goodness, this is, this is not real. This is real. This is real. This is real. And, um, <laughs> I believe I, I called my mom, of course, and, um, I cried. I cried under the bridge and then I recorded a video. That video is somewhere. I gotta find it because 
Mm-hmm. It's very important to my story. Like I cried. I was like, I never thought a girl like me from Roxbury, a high school dropout, a GED recipient, you know, like all these things would be able to aspire or rise or go to these places. Like I had no idea that, you know, the way my, my life would change just by having technical skills and just by having passion to do something positive with them. Amazing. So Amazing. it was beyond pinch yourself. It was cry. It, it was cry. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so powerful. Such a powerful journey. Um, now let's go back a little bit. 2015. Right. Fly, fly How did, how did that mobile app? What was, what was you doing at the time when you said, you know what? I need to create this mobile app. What was you doing? What was happening? Yep. How did that whole thing get birthed? Right. So at that point, I was already, um, 17 years into my professional career, like an academic journey, and um, I just was really frustrated with the lack of visibility of women in the space, and then people of color became the issue for me, and I feel like having navigated my way through from entry level to senior level roles, and then it seemed like the further that I progressed in my career, the less I've seen people who look like me. So whether that be on the East Coast or the West Coast, it became a huge, um, a huge and a noticeable thing for me. So I didn't like that. I wanted to know how I can change it. And um, I really wasn't sure how to. So what initially, Flight Technista didn't start off as a mobile app. What it actually started off as was um, a newsletter. So it was a newsletter that I created to... Um, to help women connect to jobs and opportunities that I was getting because basically after I would leave a lot of tech companies that I would work with, they would either, you know, call me back to do some consulting or contract role for them. And I mean, some of them were not toxic environments. I just didn't want to work there for whatever reason. Um, But I did good work. So this created a good reputation for me. So a lot of opportunities came my way because I did, you know, good work. And um, so when they would reach out to me and say, hey, can you do this three month contract or a six month contract or can you work on this project? I would just ask them if I can refer them to another woman in my network who is incredible and who could do the job because, you know, I didn't rather than saying to them, no, I don't want to do it. I would just ask, Mm. you know, politely if I can give them an intro. And then because I did good work, you know, and I had good rapport with, you know, former colleagues or things like that, it became trust. I became a a trusted person to do this. Um, So after referring my first um, female tech talent to to companies I used to work with or teams I used to work for, they started asking me and then they started sending more jobs and more things. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, wow, maybe I should create a newsletter or something. And then so I did. And then the newsletter became um, too big to keep sending all of the jobs and resources and scholarships and all of the incredible things that I was getting. And then I said, man, I should probably, and that newsletter was only going out to people who I directly was connected to. So maybe I met them at a networking event, a conference, somewhere. And I just, it was some woman who told me that she was looking for some things. So naturally, when I get opportunities, I love connecting people. Like, I really do call myself, like, beyond a dot connector. I'm just a connector. I really enjoy connecting people to something. So if it's something that I have access to, now everyone who's connected to me has access to that thing Um, so I didn't I didn't think of it as like I'm providing a service I just thought Talisa's being Talisa like you know that's what I'm doing Um, but um, 
I realized that this was invaluable because I was like, wow, there are so many people who might not have a person like me who might not have access to these opportunities. Maybe I should make it wider. And then um, I created a blog after the newsletter. And from the blog, it became an actual website and portal. Um, so it was mostly a jobs um, and, and resources portal. And then it morphed into an app in twenty in middle of 2019. Amazing. That is, I think that is one of the greatest things that we can do, right? With our, um, with our skills, with our networks, is connect people. Is connecting, right? right? Because yeah. connection is power, right? Is, is when you think about it in a science term, connection, you know, electricity, power is how we empower, that's how we help empower people. Not just with what right. we say, but with what we do. To literally connect people Absolutely. to the sources, to power them up, to help put them in a the position so that they can then power, power others up. Um, so that is great. Like, I really, I really like that you did that. Um, because there are so many people, unfortunately, who don't. Right? Um, right. To, and, to that. and for me to do that, I mean, I really just create, I just, I didn't, I still didn't think I was doing anything significant. I was just like, oh, I have access to this job. I'm going to just share it with these women or I have access to this thing. I'm going to share it with these people. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much why, why and how I created it. It was, it wasn't birthed out of accident and actually just wasn't something that I thought was, I, it was something I didn't, I knew it was needed, but I didn't think it was beyond that. I just knew that I wanted to, to help increase the visibility of women in the space and provide opportunities and access to resources for them. Amazing. Um, Thank you. Thank you for that work. Thank you for that passion, that drive. <laughs> execution, right? It's one thing to have the drive. It's one thing to have the passion, but the execution is key. The follow-through, that's key. And the accountability, right. too. To truly be who you are, unapologetically, right? Um, so thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. Um, now, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, going forward, uh, FemX Ventures. Um, what right. then, how, how did you get there? From Flat Technique in, in 2015, 2016, the Film Adventures last year, 2019. What was that journey right. like? What led you there? Well, a lot. We know about the funding. Dis if people don't know about the funding disparities that previously existed for um, female founders, it was it was very um, important. So basically, um, there was just three percent of women who received VC funding between the years of 2015 and 2017, mm -hmm. um, and 3%, and then that was just 0.2% women of color who received wow. funding. So, you know, the funding gap was always huge and something that wasn't previously um, discussed um, around female founders because, um, you know, you have to think about who VCs are, what VCs look like, what backgrounds they come from. It wasn't typically women or people of color, you know, in the VC space because having access to capital and that kind of wealth um, is not something that was previously um it just wasn't something that previously existed, to be very honest. So um, I found myself, I found myself in the funding space um, via impact investing, crowdfunding, and angel uh, angel investing. So I became really interested in like learning what it took to become an angel investor, what it meant to like really be an impact investor, and knowing that you there are certain, there are still certain barriers that exist that you know keep people out of that space because of wealth, generational wealth, yeah. access to finances and funding in, in, in general. 
So for me, um, you know, those those barriers that existed that still continue to exist is, you know, in order to become an angel investor, which is someone who is not um, traditional with a, a venture capital firm or backed by any hedge fund or anything like that, um, is just a group of people who decide to put their money in together. Sometimes there's return on investment and sometimes it's not. Like sometimes it's just you, you give a founder um, a certain amount of funds and, you know, there are other conditions that you might have attached to it. Um, but basically, the barriers that exist in the, even in the angel space is you need to have make $350,000 a year or have a combined $1 million in assets. So now, here's another barrier that exists to keep people out of a space. And I decided I don't want to wait until I have that amount of money to be able to give to um, founders or support people's dreams or products or businesses that I believe in, like, why can't I just give at where I'm at and help them in ways that are meaningful? So that brought me on the path of impact investing as well as um, becoming a crowdfunding angel. So helping other people fund their rounds of, 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 of funds, of crowdfunding. So um, that's what brought me through it. And I didn't realize how good I was at, at getting money and asking for money until I had to raise my own money as a founder. <laughs> um, you know, I did, <laughs> I did my own friends and family $5 Fridays. And, um, basically I went through, I went through three rounds of funds and made my, I made my goal in one day. Amazing. One day. Amazing. It was literally, <laughs> it was literally 48 hours. Um, so, you know, I shared those strategies on how I did that and it became something I was like, wow, I'm really good at doing this. And, um, you know, not seeing people who, when I, I had to pitch for my Technista and other companies to investors and because they didn't look like me or come from where I came from. And even with having the experience that I have of 20 years as a developer, working at top uh, Fortune 500 companies, having a proven track record of the product, it, I was still having significant difficulties um, raising money from investors, to be very honest. And I, I just didn't understand why, because I'm not making it a gender thing, but I know for, for a fact that, you know, there were my male counterparts who had less superior products and less education or less experience were walking into these rooms with just ideas, not even proven revenue concepts mm -hmm. yep. or anything, and was walking out with money. <laughs> wow. So, you know, becoming an investor had been um, my way of being able to change um, the opportunities. And, 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 you know, most women's dreams, they say they die in the parking lot of a bank because they're either denied for the funding or, you know, whatever reasons. And I just, when I read that, I just was so, like, discouraged myself. But I was like, no, I'm going to push through this. I'm going to get the money I need. I'm going to be able to build the stuff I want. And I don't care if I don't have all the money I need. I'm going to start today and I'm going to get there. So um, that's pretty much how I found myself in the in the funding space. And then Femex was born because I, I really wanted to help women not just um, focus on getting VC money or getting angel money, but also learning how to generate revenue generating companies so they don't have to depend on anyone. When you generate the money, the money comes to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. No, that's. That's powerful. Um, in that, in 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 starting some adventures, and you know, um, 
um, your passion to invest and to help other women develop their businesses that not only that they have to keep asking, but that they can sustain themselves. Um, right. Has there been any pushback from other women saying that that's not the way it works? You know, um, has there been any pushback with other women? That's, that's, that's what I would like to know. No, um, no, okay. Femex is still pretty new. I mean, again, it was just launched in, in 26 and 20, sorry, in 2019. <laughs> and, um, I've been through, <laughs> I've been through, um, intense and intensive training, um, in the VC space. Grateful to be able to, um, I've been a participant in the, the VC university, which is an initiative of, um, University of Berkeley, California and, um, the National Center for Venture Capital Association. So, Basically, their efforts to increase more women and people of color in the VC space, they created a course where you can learn um, strategies and, and, and all kinds of incredible things um, to help valuate companies, generate revenue, um, raise funds, all, all of these are really, really incredible things. So pretty much I took that education and training. And I'm applying it to Femex now to build out to build out our fund in our ecosystem to greater support uh, female founders. Dope. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your mentees, right? Being a being a young woman, I'm sure that there are tons of young girls who are inspired right. by you, who are motivated by you. What does that feel like? Remembering when you were a young girl and didn't have that. How does that feel now that you are in that right. space to now assist, build, and mentor and engage with these young girls? Right. I take my role as a mentor seriously, like no games at all. I don't say yes to people I can't mentor. I don't um, overextend myself. Like the ones that I have committed to, I've committed to. And I've mm -hmm. seen um, <clears throat> numerous cycles of girls, you know, go from high school. I mean, my first crop of mentees starts back in 2009 so you know I've been I've been doing this for a long time and um I went from adopting um a group of girls to like now I do like monthly check-ins through google hangouts with my girls and also women so it's not just girls that's also one thing I want to be clear about a mentor mentorship and mentee relationship is like I take it important because I didn't have it. It wasn't something, it's something I still kind of don't have. I just make up in my head when I really admire the work that someone is doing. I, they're like, oh my goodness, they're my mentor now. Now they're my mentor. I don't care if they don't know it. They're my mentor. They're my so, um, yeah, they're my mentor now. Like, so, and, and, you know, this whole idea about like mentor mentee relationship, you know, of someone, the idea that someone has to be significant years in advance or, or experienced in you. I mean, sometimes I get mentored by my mentees and I mean, it, it, or my peers or my colleagues. And, you know, that's been the most um, rewarding and enriching experience that I've had because, um, you know, as a mentor, I get to pour information and wisdom and experience and share life stuff with them. And the most rewarding thing is when I see them apply it. So that's the only rule I have for my mentees. Like I do not mentor people who don't want to do the work because I'm not going to do the work for them. If they want to meet someone, I will always, you know, be available to provide them access to intros to people or things like that. But like, it really comes down to, are you going to do the work? Because don't make me waste my time, waste yep. my words, waste my wisdom, waste my energy. If yep. you're not going to be willing to do the work. Yep. 
No, absolutely. It's funny because I just told one of my young mentees um, the same thing. It hits me up like, yo, I'm frustrated. Right. Things happening in my relationship. And I'm like, yo, listen, like, we can right. do it, but you haven't been accountable. Right. You know, you tell me you right. me this day and then I don't even get a phone call. I got to follow back up with you. Right. Two weeks later, right. you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I was going through right. something. I'm like, that's what I'm here for when you're going through it. Yeah. Out so that we can get through it and don't repeat it. Right. Uh, so it's definitely all right. about, you know, accountability. <laughs> Um, you know, in, in, in communication, you know, just communicate, you know, like I told, you know, I told my young brothers, I say, yo, communicate, even when you don't feel like talking about the issue, if we set a date and time to meet or to speak, connect and let me know, listen, you can talk about this, but I don't want to talk about what I'm dealing with. And that's fine. It's right. okay to have that space, but please communicate because if you don't, then I set this time in my calendar and you don't communicate, it makes me seem like you don't value my time. If you don't value my time, then right. you my time somewhere else. Um, right. Let me ask you, if there was anything different that you could do um, in your journey, what would it have been? Huh, so many things. Um, if there but... was a meeting that you had where maybe you, you, you flunked up, if there was a project you to do that maybe you didn't do as well, there's one thing that right. you, could do, you could go back and do differently. Knowing that we can't, knowing that it's perfect the way it is, yeah. but if you had your choice, right. what would it be? I would say that earlier in my career, like my, my academic journey, I probably would have um, pursued more of the difficult classes um, mm -hmm. rather than rather <laughs> than waiting later in my journey. <laughs> um, I, again, because like we can't go back and change the things, and I, mm -hmm. I feel like if I would have done anything differently I wouldn't be where I am because I had to push Absolutely. through so many I had to push through so many different things just because of failures and failures are what our biggest growth opportunities yeah. and learning experiences so I mean I'm not one of those people that say I have no regrets I have regrets but I mean like it ultimately would change the experience or the reality that I'm in. And I don't really know if I would want to go back and change anything. But there are times that I think like, you know, when I was um, first maybe um, seeking funding, like certain things, I, I wish that I, when I started, um, this is my, I've, I'm on my 10th venture now, not Fly Technista. Fly Technista was my seventh, but I'm on my 10th mm. venture and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like um, the stuff that I did earlier in my entrepreneurship journey, like I wish that I would have had more, um, more, I don't know if it's not, it's not the skills. I wish I would have had more access to, I don't know. It was, it's a lot of things that I know that I would have done differently in my entrepreneurship journey because I didn't have enough um, experience or, or knowledge to know better that I needed to have a stronger team. So I would say that was the biggest things of like some of the mistakes that I made earlier in my journey was the, the thought that I could do all the things by myself and you really, really can't. And I mm -hmm. often express that to everyone right now. I often express that like that is, um, it's not my biggest like, like mistake, but it's something that I often think about like how we pick our team, whether that be colleagues or friends or people to build our visions with us. When we don't choose right, we lose. Like the people we choose can have us losing. So, um, these, those are the biggest lessons that I've, I've learned. I would definitely say, in my professional career it's like you know thinking you can do the, all the things by yourself and then also when you do realize that you can't do the things by yourself doing it with the wrong people yeah yeah sometimes it's um one of my mentors in activism here in new york erica ford 
she used to say to me right. all the time. Well, she used to say all the time in general. She said, um, all all motion is not forward motion. Right, just because you're right. moving, it doesn't mean you're moving <laughs> It can forward. go backwards. Yes. Backwards. Right, or right. circles. Yeah. Circles and sometimes staying put is better than going backwards, right? Um, so sometimes right. no movement right. is better than movement. Um, right. That's, that's powerful. And um, speaking about the past, there's a saying that I have. Um, if any one thing would have been different, everything would be different. You know, it's the butterfly effect. Right. If one thing in the past, everything changes, and you don't know if it's for the better or worse. So um, when right. I tell people, I say, you know, just appreciate where you are and be grateful that you're here. Because if you're here, that means you still have the opportunity right. to get where you want to go. And if you change one thing from the past, one simple thing that you wish would have, you wish wouldn't have happened, if you change that, you might not still be here. Right. <laughs> and that's the, the truth and the reality. Absolutely. It's a very important mindset. Um, you've done a lot of interviews, a lot of media, um, you know, entrepreneur Fox News, Black Enterprise, Cheddar TV, CNN, CBS, Salon, Good Day New York, and so much more. Um, when, 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 when you're interviewing, when you're um, on these stages and you're speaking, whether it's, you know, you're being interviewed or when you are keynoting, you know, um, at the many places that you've spoken at, you know, United Nations, General Assembly, you know, uh, Google Women Tech Makers, when, how, what is your level of responsibility to those watching? You know, do you feel pressure? Do you feel like you're carrying, you know, um, 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 others with you? Do you feel like they're present with you? What is that process like for you? Um, when you're on stage and you're speaking about your work? Well, as a hip hop head, I often re like refer to what I'm about to say back to group home, um, where, where it, the, the, the lyric is, you know, when you have an opportunity to say something, say something. Yep. Greetings, this is Nay Marie, founder and editor of Taji Mag, your black culture publication. Taji offers our readers quality advice to assist them economically, healthy options to maintain a happy lifestyle, think pieces to test the societal norms that are not meant for us, black love combo to increase the self-love and communal love in all aspects, and beauty and fashion inspiration to sustain the legacy of our black artistry. Check us out at tajimag.com and on all social media at Taji Magazine. That's T-A-J-I-M-A-G-A-Z-I-N-E. Peace and blessings. Basically, that's my thought process. So when I'm invited to speak somewhere, I'm just very mindful of whenever I have something to say, that it should be something that adds value to the lives of people and that I'm going to be sharing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, powerful journey. Powerful story. Great work that you're doing. What Thank is you. the future for Fly Technista? What is the future for Talisa Daughtry? What are you looking like in the next five to ten years? Because you already have ten ventures, right? Um, is there a do you, do you have a limit? Right. To like when I hit this number, I'm not doing anymore. What is what do you see for yourself the next five years, ten years, and even beyond? Because you're still young, you're still very young. Right. I, want you to I mean, that, understand that. Well, I do know um, my ultimate goal for Fly Technista is to work myself out of a job. So this is, you know, I don't want this work to be my forever work. I want to be able to close the opportunity gap, close the funding gap, provide 
uh, one million women with uh, jobs and education experiences globally. And until I do that, I have to keep going. And after I do that, hopefully we won't have to keep having these discussions about why women in tech are important or why people in, of color in tech and in entrepreneurship is important. Like our society should hopefully get it because this is not something that I want to be doing forever. I'm doing it because it's necessary and it's important to me. Um, so that is my next five years for sure, because I don't see this problem going away in um, overnight. But I mean, you know, a lot of strides are have been made and are made right now. Um, so that's my five year for Biotechnista for me. Oh, my goodness. Talisa's life changes every every <laughs> 16 months. Um, you know, I, I often joke about how every two years I created a new venture, which is very true. I looked at the actual pattern of myself. I look yeah. at the pattern of myself and I'm saying, wow, this should be an app or that should be a thing or I should build this. Like, because my problem is I'm just a problem solver. That's mm -hmm. my problem. So it's like when I see a problem that exists in our society, I feel like I can do this. I'm capable to do this. I'm going to change that. So um, that's or, it, you know, there are those times where you just have a brilliant idea that, you know, the idea dies before it can like get wings because it's either too early, too early to, for, you know, the market isn't ready for it or it's not something that's really a need, but it's something that you deeply want to do. Like, um, so um, for myself, I, I, I'm definitely writing more books than reading them now. Um, I, I transitioned from, yeah, because I believe that we all have stories to share and information and wisdom. And, you know, I think more black and brown people need to be sharing our voices and publishing and, you know, sharing our thoughts. And um, um, also just, you know, that's important. It's important. So um, that's where I see myself in the next five or 10 or so years. I want to have at least uh, six more books. And um, um, I would love to, to have an innovation facility that supports um, women and people of color and, and communities of color where we are, you know, innovating and building this year. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Number one, you took the words out of my mouth. I often tell people, so I, um, I also wrote two books. I self-published. Um, I wrote right. one real short story or like Black Love, Black Empowerment. And then um, when my daughter right. was born, I wrote a, a dedication to my daughter, a collection of letter stories. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> right? Um, I wrote that. Um, and I tell people, I, I told people last night, I said, we all have a story. And I think one of the greatest tragedies in human history is so many people dying with their story inside of them, with their wisdom inside of them, with their knowledge right. inside of them, that at least, at least one right. other person's life could have been drastically changed if they would have shared their story. And right. So, um, that is my right. thing, is helping people tell their stories. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm saluting you and I'm rooting for you and I'm pulling for you to write more. Right? Definitely write more, publish more, share more, speak right. more. Right, um, right. You have a powerful voice. You have something to say. Um, if you have uh, any words for any young women, any any women, period, or any young girls who are considering getting into tech or who are just growing and developing their journey, what would you say to them? What are your words to them? So I don't. The words that I have, I don't think is just applicable for women or girls, but I, I often share this. Um, you know, someone can have more opportunities than you. 
but you can have more determination than them and propel yourself further in greater places than they ever could imagine. So um, that's the first thing that I often share. And, um, you know, what I share with my mentees is when, you know, especially being women and young women, is, you know, and I think this is applicable to any underrepresented group of people, but like when people doubt your intelligence, just be confident in their stupidity. Always, mm. always, because you know <laughs> what you can do. So, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, those, those are the two things that I would, I would like to leave and share with, um, people. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, I really, actually, I really like your tagline on your site is, uh, I don't really <laughs> roundhouse kick, round kick glass ceiling. Where, where, <laughs> right. How did, I mean, I'm How did that, so, no, how, that how did that come up? Yes. Yeah, that came about as, um, again, I was a, a classically trained dancer and I've been dancing as a, you know, from when I was a little girl. And I remember asking my father to put me in, um, karate because my school also had karate. Um, the dance school had a karate school in it as well. And, um, he just was like, no, you're going to get kicked in the face. And, you know, like just because I was a girl. Um, and I was just like, I could kick someone in the face too. It's <laughs> just like, I'm not going to just get kicked in the face. Um, so, you know, naturally I feel like, you know, the gender roles that, you know, girls are often given at a young age is, you know, I was capable, they knew I had all of this energy and instead of putting me into the karate class, it put me into the dance class because that's what a girl should do. Right. Wow. Um, you know, so a few, a few years later, you know, I ended up enrolling in karate myself and, um, right. You know, the first, the first thing that you, you're taught is like 50 different kicks. So, I mean, I became really good at kicking and like, <laughs> like and I like roundhouse kicking. Ah, that's my thing. Um, so when I looked at the obstacles that I had in my way, I set my eyes on that target and I roundhouse kick it. Like, and that's nice. my target at the time is roundhouse kicking glass ceiling. So that's, that's Amazing. how that came about. Amazing. Lisa, thank you so much. Please let our audience know where we can find you, how we can support you. Right. Um, right. Um, so, yeah, I can be found at my website where everything is going down um, and up, and you can know um, what, what I'm speaking at, working on, doing, supporting, all of these um, incredible things. So that is uh, talisad.com. And um, if you want to know more about Fly Technista, you can go to flytechnista.com. And I am out in the social streets, so I can you can hit me up on Instagram and LinkedIn. And um, I drop gems on my Instagram on Tuesdays um, called Philosophy. So, yeah, um, that's where I can be found. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, sister. Uh, Talisa, I appreciate you. I am thankful for you. I'm sure that many others share the same sentiment. Um, keep going. Just keep going. Keep building. Keep creating. Keep innovating. Keep leading. Keep that passion. Keep that fire burning. Let nothing and no one stop you, which I already know you won't. Uh, so again, thank you, right. for you thank you for sharing your voice and your journey and your passion with us on the Sugar Ray Show. We are grateful for you. We thank you. We support you. Keep going. Fly Technista to the world. Peace. Peace, peace.